Pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello and welcome to the podcast of this week's One Life Left radio show. I'm Simon Byron. And I'm Steve Curran. Steve, that was hard that going, was wasn't it? I did not like that at not all. Not at the start. So um, it's, it's all fine now. It's fine now. It? <laughs> this part of the show is going to be put at the beginning of the show. Uh, and it will feel even weirder, I think. Because right now we've got our confidence back, haven't we, Simon? <laughs> we've got our swagger. It's like when Matt Smith became the Doctor and what they did was they filmed... His first episode was actually episode five in the series. Um, so that, um, you know, by the time he'd got round to recording episode one, he was full of swagger too. And that worked out, didn't it? He's now a, he's now a Hollywood A-lister. <laughs> Maybe it'll be the same for us. Who knows? But of course, we you know, we had... Uh, technical problems as well at the start of the episode that weren't present for the last sort of half an hour it didn't seem they were from my end at least uh, there were there were definitely bits i've got no idea what you said you could have said you could have called <laughs> me the worst word okay. and i wouldn't have known i yeah. would have just carried on merrily uh, because the internet had dropped out and uh, you yeah, see now you're feeling... cutting out again now it's happening well, there again. we go well there we go okay uh, it's all right though simon um hmm. i had a thing that i wanted you to deal with today for this yep. intro. Um, okay. Unless you have something that you want to I do. I do not. Okay, nope. perfect. Simon. Um, so Simon and I, to, to you know, it's quite hard to say catch everyone up. So Simon <laughs> and I, to recap the stuff that you as podcast listeners are about to hear in the show, we've just got back from GDC. Um, I mean, we've been back a week, but it's been a week of jet lag for me. How have you been dealing with that, Simon? Not too bad because I foolishly went to America before I went to America, ah, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got—I had no idea what the time was at all in March. <laughs> yeah, for me it's been a nightmare. Really, really hard week of jet lag. Uh, but we have just got back from GDC, the Game Developers Conference, where we've had a really nice time. And as I say on the show, you know, good time with good friends and good stories. Um, however, um, the best story from GDC undoubtedly came from you. No question. And it's a story so good that I have been, not taking it as my own, I've been telling your story, you know, saying this happened to my friend Simon. Um, Do you know which story I'm talking about? (laughs) Does it involve an ironing board? (laughs) It does not involve an ironing board, no. Okay, it's not that story. No, it involves (laughs) what happened after that first night when you and I and loads of other people went out. And then we left... We left the bar late at night. You'd gone to the bar and you'd asked, you know, do we, do I want one more drink? And I'd actually sensibly asked for a glass of water. 
And some other people had asked for more drinks, very strong American drinks. And then we'd left the bar. Our friend Michael had gone one way. Me and my friends had gone another. And you and Jason Perkins oh. went another way. And then something yeah. happened. <laughs> did, yes. Go on then, you tell it, because uh, I'd be interested to hear how the story's grown. What? <laughs> I can't, I can't. Can I do that? Can I tell your story in front of you? Okay, so you can you can chip in. I'm, yeah. Okay. Well, no, I'll I'll do the preamble, right? Okay. And then you can pick up where the story yeah. gets interesting. Okay. So, so um, I headed back to my hotel with my friends, but you didn't, did you? Because uh, your friend Jason, friend of the show, uh, declared that he wanted to get some food, and it must have been about uh, I think about one thirty a.m. something like that at this point. Now. It is surprisingly difficult to get food in San Francisco at that time, it seems to me. And so you headed off to McDonald's, right? With the we noblest did. of intentions um, to get some McDonald's. And that should be a very brief trip, shouldn't it? In, out, McDonald's, right? True. True. Um, and as I understand it, you went up to the machines uh, where you tap in your order, and uh, they were broken. They weren't working, so that was a problem. But you were not to be, uh, you were not to be defeated by this, and uh, you and Jason went up to the counter where you talked to the employees, and you said you'd like to order some food. And they said, you can't order food here. You've got to use the machines. Use the kiosks. You've got to yeah. use the kiosks. Um, at which point you explained patiently and politely that the kiosks uh, were broken and you could not order food there. To which I understand they replied, "Well, you'll have to use the app then." Indeed, and then for for one reason or another, the app wasn't functioning either. And quite a queue was building up at this time. A lot of hungry San Franciscanians um, uh, who had a similar similar idea. Mm. Um, and so, uh, what what would you do in that situation? What would you do? Well, Simon, first, what I would have done is probably given up some time ago and gone to bed. But <laughs> I'm, you know, more easily defeated than you. Uh, I think if a queue was building up behind me, I certainly would have deferred to the people behind because I would already feel out of my comfort zone here. I'm in a foreign country. I'm. I don't understand the technology. I can't get the app to work. I would have waited to see what the next person in line did. Well, it was a bonus night for certain service members of the service industry that evening because Jason came up with the astonishing idea. Uh, the man's a genius. Uh, you can't buy, uh, you can't buy food from the kiosk. You can't buy food from the people, and the app wasn't working. What do you do? He ordered an Uber Eats to be picked up from that McDonald's and delivered to him <laughs> in that in that McDonald's. <laughs> It took about uh, it took about about half an hour, <laughs> but by the end of it, it was like the end of Crocodile Dundee. So, as I understand which is a it, for all you young people, at some point, like presumably, they can't even start preparing the food until the rider's on their way, and then at some point, you see the food has been prepared. We couldn't get it. We said that's the food. They said to go away for your driver. We said, but it's there. You can't get it. Don't you? The man couldn't believe it when he turned out. He, couldn't. he said, what, so I've just got to hand that over to you? Yep. <laughs> and McDonald's ran of applause. 
Fantastic. That's my favourite story from eight Ah. days spent at the Game Developers Conference. It has nothing to do with games, it has nothing to do with development, and it has nothing to do with the conference, but in many ways it has everything to do with GDC. It was a good week. Good. And then one day we'll get round to telling the story that involves the ironing board, shall we, hey? Let's save that for for another intro. Another cliffhanger. (laughs) All right. Very good. I did enjoy this week by the end of the show. I didn't enjoy the start, but um, I hope our our listeners are glad to see us back. And please, 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 you know, bear with us for the first bit. Bear with us. Apologies for the technical problems. Hope you enjoy. Stick with it. Just, just, Just do something else for the first 40 minutes. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Good evening and welcome to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We're a video game radio show. My name is Steve Curran. Hello, I am Simon Byron. Hi Simon, welcome back. How are you? I'm not too bad, Steve. Thank you. Welcome back yourself. We've been away, haven't we? We've been at San Francisco or in San Francisco at the Game Developers Conference. We have. We've been away for so long you forgot how this worked, didn't you? (laughs) I forgot how to use English got how to speak i mean you know that's a thread that's run through the show for ages on my side certainly uh, yeah it was good over there wasn't it i enjoyed being in san francisco it was nice hanging around with you yeah i had a really nice time over there uh despite everything obviously despite the state of the world uh it was nice to it was nice to see you for a week for eight days in fact uh just very very long time is that the longest we've spent together steve <laughs> I'm all for. Uh, I'm, all for I saw you. I'm all for. I'm all for setting new Sorry, records. If you on. fancy giving it, uh, if you fancy going for longer next time, I have no idea what you said because the audio just cut out again. Oh, let's see if we can muddle through, shall we? I said something uh, highly suggestive, Steve. You'll have, <laughs> you have to listen to the show <laughs> to find out what it was. Okay, I will uh, look forward to listening to it uh, live on Residence at Home. As we said, we've been away for four weeks now, uh, so it's been a while. Uh, so we've got a lot of news to catch up on, I imagine, Simon. Have you done research this week? Yeah, uh, I'm, I mean, again, uh, calling it research is massively overstating it, but I did quickly look at the internet this evening before the show. I've got five stories, Steve. Okay, fantastic. I've got a few as well. Um, We will also have later in the show, we'll have some letters. We will have some reviews. I've played some games. I've played at least two, I think. What about you? Yeah, I've played one and almost finished one, actually. What? Stop it. I know, I know, I know. Okay, good, 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 good. Um, So definitely have had some letters this week as well, so we'll be covered uh, there from our Discord cohort. Um. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it, Simon. It's good to see you again, or at least see you on Zoom rather than see you in the flesh. We'll have to rectify that too, Steve, won't we? Let's do all One Life Left live now. I've, I've, got, I've, got, I've, got, I've, I've got a taste for getting out and about now. Do you think we could? I remember we used to do that back in the day, and it never went well, did it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's see. Oh, well. Let's see. All right, should we get on with the news? Let's get on with the news. Okay, Simon, you start. Uh, from VideoGamesChronicle.com, written by Tom Ivan. Activision has said that Call of Duty's crazy install sizes are the reasons it's not offering more maps for Warzone. During a video interview with streamer TP, Activision Vice President of Design Josh Bridge was asked whether it might be possible to support Warzone map rotation, providing access to the current... Caldera map and the game's original one, Verdansk. We want that. We really want that. We all want that, answered Bridge, who works across Activision's Call of Duty studios, spearheading the creation of overall live operations for the franchise. So, there's a technical problem. The install and reinstall sizes are... And he uses the F word here, Steve. F word crazy, he continued. (laughs) If we pulled out... Caldera, I've got no idea if I'm pronouncing that right, probably not, and said, okay, we're going to drop it in Verdansk. It could be like essentially re-downloading the size of Warzone. And every time we've done that right, we lose players. Bridge added, I think you can't fit anything beside Warzone and Modern Warfare on a base PlayStation 4 right now. So that's what we've been looking to the future and putting a lot of a lot more effort into how we sort that out on a technical level so that we can have that rotation. We've been really looking at it. So we'll have to talk more about that, but that's ultimately a goal to ensure that there's a freshness and a variety of experiences. Like you were saying, a seasonal meta comes with that and a seasonal map rotation too. Well, uh, Josh, if only you could do something about that, hey? (laughs) If only somebody could do something about the F word crazy install sizes on Call of Duty. Yeah, um, I guess, is this a practical thing they can solve, though? People have expectations, right? They have expectations about what these maps contain and uh, what they look like, and that's all going to come down to texture sizes. Uh, and that not that out of Activision's control? Well, has it? But, it, but, it, but it's never been like this before, has it? I mean, people used to joke back uh, with the original Xbox that it had become a Halo machine. Uh, but now, with that base PS4 stuff, I mean, it literally is just a Call of Duty machine, if that's what you wanted to play on the, on the base mm. PS4. And many people will, of course, because it's an incredibly successful franchise. Uh, and I, I guess this is all um, part of that. Like, is it really to their benefit allowing some space on the PS4 for other people's games. <laughs> well, that's right. They can't be playing something else if they can't fit it on their PlayStation, <laughs> can they? Can they? When was the last time you played a Call of Duty game, son? It's been a long time, Steve. Uh, Dexter plays it now and again, um, and I, I usually buy it for him uh, now and again. I think the last one we bought was the one before last, but I couldn't tell you what that's called. Hmm. Mm, maybe we should get into it. I mean, if we do get into it, it's clearly the only game we're allowed to get into because we won't have room for anything else. Well, I've moved away from the BS, base PS4, so perhaps, perhaps. Mm, true, I forgot you were very, very next generation. Now, how's that going, Simon? Very well indeed, actually. I've been playing the car game. Uh, I'm not I'm not quite ready to talk about that because I know that we have some listeners that, that like cars. 
um, I think my assessment of it probably wouldn't do the game justice. It's very pretty, though. Um, And, uh, yeah, Dexter loaded up Uncharted this weekend. He said... (laughs) He joked about wanting to cause himself physical harm. He said it's very boring. (laughs) Seven out of ten. I disagree with him, by the way. But, uh, you know, kids, hey, who'd have them? Mm, Okay, news story two. Uh, well, my next, my one was about Activision Blizzard. Maybe we'll tie this in. Uh, this is from Eurogamer.com. It's by Tom Phillips. Sorry, Eurogamer.net. We haven't got the .com domain yet. Activision Blizzard will no longer require staff to be vaccinated against COVID. COVID. Uh, they say the headline is Activision Blizzard removes staff vaccine mandate. The embattled Call of Duty and World of Warcraft company is trying to encourage more people back into its offices from June. Would that encourage you, Simon? Oh, very much no. <laughs> Absolutely not. It seems to do the opposite, but things are very different in the Americas, aren't they? Oh, uh, yeah, t- totally. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's um, that they are either uh, sort of massively insistent on on showing everything vaccine. Uh, and COVID r- related, or they appear to be just removing it themselves. Who knows? Mm, indeed. Simon, I think I'm going to ask you, um, not for the first time, to switch your video off. What? I mean, it's been, you know, you haven't seen my face for a while. Is it, prov- <laughs> is it proving too much for you? I'm hoping that if you turn the video off, then uh, then we'll be able to hear each other speak a little bit more, and this will become more of a conversation rather than a bit of guesswork about what the <laughs> other person has been saying. Um, GDC was uh, took its own COVID precautions, didn't it? What did you think of that? Yeah, I thought it was uh, sensible. Um, they released the, the amount uh, uh, of attendees uh, this week, and it was about, a th- I think it was about a third of in-person attendees compared to its height. And I have to say, uh, that felt much more comfortable for me. So you had to um, you had to show your um, you, that you were vaccinated uh, in order to pick up a wristband and then your ticket, and then you had to wear a mask indoors, which was a bit annoying. Um, towards the end of the show, people seemed to think there was this rumor going around that if you were sat at a table, you could take it off. Um, <laughs> Uh, they had a badge system uh, where uh, red meant that uh, whoever you were talking to didn't want any physical contact. Um, green meant that they were quite happy with it. And I think yellow came down to whether you were handsome or not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know anything about this this badge system. I have no idea about it. When when did you get asked about that? Was it at the, at yeah, the it was printout when you- stage? Yeah, when you pick your badge up. So, yeah, that was all very good. There were a lot of meetings taking place in the park. Um, and, you know, it helped, obviously, that the weather was very good. Uh, so people could um, get outdoors, um, although everybody caught COVID uh, at GDC, it seems. Um, yeah, almost, almost everybody I know um, <laughs> who were part of my wider group, uh, at least somebody from, from each sort of cohort, uh, as uh, has come back with COVID. Just to return to the previous point about the badges, mm. I definitely didn't get asked. Um, but maybe that's because I had a One Life Left press badge and they just assumed I wanted to be uh, hugging everyone or staying distant. I don't know, the colour of my badge was purple. What does that mean? 
Uh, I mean, well, you, you know, you, you've always uh, sort of travelled in the VIP lane when it's come to GDC, <laughs> haven't you? You with your with your sweet parties, etc. So I'd imagine that Purple was just this sort of underground network of I don't know. Uh, anything goes, I'd imagine. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I guess the real problem, uh, just to return to also the point about everyone returning from GDC with COVID and the fury that was online about this, how irresponsible it was for GDC to hold an in-person conference. Uh, I mean, my take on that is they did everything they possibly could have uh, to the point that they were being criticised on the opening days that there were these lines around the block because the, everyone had to show vaccination, uh, proof of vaccination. Um, and, you know, people were having a go at them for that. But inside the venue, yeah, like you say, it felt quite spacious and uh, things felt relatively safe. And I wouldn't be surprised to find out that if there was any way of finding out the transmission at this sort of conference, you know, tracking down the cases, the incidents there were you know, pretty low or as low as they could be. However, um, as anyone who's been to GDC or one of these big conferences knows, so much of the work takes place outside of the conference and inside the, you know, the the bars and the parties and the hotel bars that, that are where so many of the sort of business deals are conducted, there was no masking at all. If you went into the W Hotel Bar, it was rammed as usual and no one was wearing a mask and the same is true of the intercontinental or the marriott or any of these places plus i went to several you know indie parties uh, late at night it wasn't just that this was prevalent amongst the business sector but uh, all of those parties as soon as you're in the door all bets were off for covid and masks so it wasn't a great surprise to me to come back to a twitter storm that uh, you know this had been an incredibly unsafe event, and GDC should be ashamed of themselves. Um, I, I don't know that there's much more they could have done. Of course, you could argue that if they didn't hold the event, none of these peripheral events would have taken place. Um, but it's also hard to see a future where COVID is going away, and at some point, these things, you know, are going to restart. Whether or not it's too early, I, I'm unsure about that. Yeah, it's it's tricky, isn't it? I think a lot of people felt having deferred their tickets over a couple of years, um, there was an insistence, I believe, mm. that um, that from the organisers that like, you know, come on, guys, you all, you all have to come now. And, that, you know, I read online that some people were uh, were unable to get uh, their money back or even uh, move to next year. And those that wanted to switch to digital only, I think, were were being asked to pay extra, which, you know, I mean, I, I obviously don't, I can barely talk on a radio show. I can't, <laughs> um, so I don't know what it's like to organise a conference like that. Um, so, yeah, obviously a, a tricky um, position for many. Um, it was odd, you know, as you say, going to the W uh, and the other hotels, uh, there was nothing. I went up to a co-working space um, a little further along Mission and uh, you had to... Um, I had to I had to provide my my vaccination details there before they would let me in. Um, uh, so yes, so, so some people were taking it seriously. I received an email yesterday. I won't say who it's from, uh, but it was yesterday. Uh, subject: notification of potential COVID nineteen exposure. Uh, it goes straight in. It doesn't say hi Simon or hey or anything like that. It just goes straight in. We're writing to inform you that you may have been recently exposed to COVID nineteen at the 
event on uh, that day. While all attendees of the event were required to provide proof of vaccination or a negative test result within two days of the event, we've recently become aware of three attendees who have tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, and then, yeah, just a list of things that I should follow. So, you know, that's the that's the price you pay to go to an event where they gave you two free drink tokens. <laughs> uh, well, I had a I had a good time out at GDC. Good luck to everyone who did return with. I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, and you know, um, certainly from my point of view, I was I was I was felt very comfortable um, in all that I was doing. All right, next news story. Ba, 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 ba. So then, big news, Steve, happened while we were away. Of course, it was going to happen while we were away because we couldn't. We were, you know, I thought about calling you up and saying, hey, quick emergency radio show uh, because Spartacus has been revealed. Uh, video Games Chronicle writes Andy Robinson. Sony Interactive Entertainment has officially announced its new three-tier subscription service, which will use the PlayStation Plus brand and offer access to hundreds of games. As previously reported in the press, the service will combine two of Sony's existing offerings, PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now, and phase out the branding of the latter. Right, get your pen, Steve. Okay. The new service will launch for PS4 and PS5 starting in June, structured across three payment tiers. Essentials, Extra, and premium. PlayStation Plus Essentials offers the same benefits as the current PlayStation Plus service with monthly free games, discounts, and online multiplayer. will also cost the same. Uh, £6.99 a month uh, or other annual deals. Meanwhile, PlayStation Plus Extra will include the same benefits, but with access to a library of 400 downloadable PS4 and PS5 games. These games will include Death Stranding, God of War, Marvel Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Mortal Kombat 11, Returnal, and more. Well, I'd hope more. I'd say maybe 395 more. Um, <laughs> final, uh, um, additional titles, including third-party titles, will be announced at a later date with regular editions planned for the future, according to SIE. P- PS Plus Extra will cost £10.99 a month or £83.99 a year. Finally, PlayStation Plus Premium includes the above benefits but adds up to 340 additional games, including PlayStation 3 titles available via cloud streaming and a catalogue of classic games available in both streaming and download options from the original PlayStation PlayStation 2 and PSP generations. Premium will also offer cloud streaming for access for original PlayStation, PS2, PSP and PS4 games, often the extra and premium tiers in the markets where PlayStation Now is currently available. In addition, premium members will be able to access time-limited game trials, allowing them to try selected games before they buy. Okay, Steve, could you just give us a quick recap? I missed that question because you cut out, obviously. (laughs) I was just going to say, simple, isn't it? Simple. Which one are you going to go for? Okay, so as I understand it, the first tier is standard playstation plus right that's that's the one we've had for ages so you get some games second tier seems to be their shot at sort of game pass so you get loads and loads of free games you know five plus 395 free games that you can play every month and the third tier is that plus retro stuff right old catalog stuff is that right it is but with one of those only available via cloud streaming okay so um the answer is I'm not going to get any of them because I don't have a PlayStation at the moment. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a, it, 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 there isn't a line for people like you. No, there isn't. Well, or, the, or is there? Can you can you stream these things on PC? 
I mean, I, again, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to guess the answer to whatever question that was. And I don't think you are able to play PlayStation 5 games on a mobile phone on your own. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's decent. Was it? it was not bad. Not bad. Okay. Not bad. Which one are you going to get, Simon? You're the PS5 owner here. Well, I've already got um, PS Plus Essentials, haven't I? I'm signed course, up for the year because I wanted to move uh, my Ghost of Tsushima, say, from my PlayStation 4 to my PlayStation 5. And the only way I could figure out... but to do that was by paying an annual subscription for forty pounds to move the save game. <laughs> Great. Okay. So, are you going to go and upgrade that to? One yeah, of the two probably, probably, probably. I mean, I don't know. It's um, uh, that sort of middle ground. Um, PlayStation Plus on the PS5 does give you access to a few of those games at the moment, and that's been pretty handy. So, I think I might move up. What I'd like to know though is that when Microsoft introduced their tiers. Um, Game Pass, Game Pass for PC, Game Pass for Ultimate. There was a loophole where you could get like a a thousand months for a pound, um, and it doesn't see it doesn't seem like Sony is um is offering any of those. I think they should upgrade me to the highest level for the rest of my current subscription. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> is that it's not too much to ask, is it? It isn't. It's, it seems to me entirely appropriate, uh, especially to use your media platform to request that. <laughs> Exactly. All right, I've got a new story here. Uh, it's from five days ago, written by Ed Nightingale, news reporter, says here on Eurogamer.net, 29th of March 2022. Here it is, Simon. The sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild has been delayed until spring 2023. Nintendo had originally planned for a 2022 release. However, in a video statement, series producer Aiji Onuma announced the game had been pushed back. For those of you who have been looking forward to a release this year, we apologise, he said. As previously announced, the adventure in this sequel will take place not just on the ground, uh, as in the previous game, but also in the skies above. However, the expanded world goes beyond that, and there will be an even wider variety of features you can enjoy, including new encounters and new gameplay elements. At which point, to me, Simon, this stops seeming like an apology that they're not <laughs> going to get it out this year, and just like a press release. Yeah, equally, it feels a little barbed as well, because he says, uh, hey, like, you know, to those of you waiting, we're sorry. <laughs> what's, he, what's he to those not waiting? Is he glad? Is he glad? Absolutely delighted. Sorry. Yeah. If, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, have you looked at uh, looked at this, Simon? The the footage from it. Yeah, I don't. Th- did was was any of that footage new? Uh, I, I I hadn't seen footage from it previously, so I don't know. Okay. Uh, yeah, it didn't look like much different to what we'd seen previously. I I don't think. I mean, obviously, it's difficult to see through the tears, isn't it? <laughs> so I guess you were uh, looking forward to a release this year, then. I was looking forward to a release this year. Yeah, I was. I very much so. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure that this apology is enough. Really? What would you? I want, I want, what would cut want, it for you? I want a free Nintendo Switch online family <laughs> subscription for the year. That's what is I that want. too much to ask? <laughs> is it too much? Using to ask? my yeah. media platform? Yeah, I don't think exactly. so. I don't exactly. think so. I, I'm. I, I know nothing about this this game or, or this sequel. Mostly because I've stayed away from the news because i i'm gonna buy it whatever happens of course i am it was the standout game right from the uh still probably possibly is the standout game on the switch so everyone's gonna get it so they can afford to wait right this isn't gonna hurt them in any way even if it hurts your feelings 
Oh, it sounds to me like you're taking a particular stance where you can neither be, um, whether well, you can either be annoyed or sort of annoyed. <laughs> so, I'm ambivalent. I'm ambivalent. Yeah, exactly. To this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So oh, I will not God. get a family subscription uh, from Nintendo out of this. Sorry. No, I should do because I'm supporting them. Like games take time to make, and if you're making the sequel to one of the, you know, arguably the best games of all time, then it pays to take your time making that. So I don't think any of us including you, Simon, can begrudge them the extra uh, months. Well, somebody who arguably could have uh, benefited from extra months would have been um, Namco Bandai. Within this next story, Tom Ivan wrote on videogameschronicle.com, publisher Bandai Namco is pulling Fast and Furious Crossroads from sale next month, less than two years after the game's poorly received release. In an update on the game's official website, a message message confirms all product sales will end on April 29th, 2022 at 4am Central Eastern Time. This converts to 3am British Summertime on April 29th. If you bought the game digitally, it will remain in your library and can be re-downloaded in the future, according to the update. Any DLCs purchased before April 29th, 2022 will still be available to use after this date. The game's online modes will also remain active. Build as a team-based vehicular heist action game set in the adrenaline-fueled Fast and Furious universe, Crossroads was developed by Project Cars maker Slightly Mad Studios, which Codemasters acquired in 2019, prior to his own acquisition by Electronic Arts last year. Uh, Fast and Furious Crossroads was poorly received by critics, resulting in the title coming fourth on review aggregation site Metacritic's Worst Rated Games of 2020 list. Okay, so I've got well, I've got two things to say about that. Mm-hmm. One is, um, how do you feel about DLCs? I don't like it. Really, didn't like it. I did. I did want to uh, to reframe that whilst reading that out, but I wouldn't have been true to the source. Hmm. It's crept in, hasn't it? Like it didn't used yes. to be DLCs. It used to be DLC as it should be, but I've as noticed that be. that becoming the phrase now, the way of you know, referring to multiple pieces of downloadable content. Well, maybe that's why they've had the uh, why they've had to pull it from sale. <laughs> well, that's my second question. So, why would you pull something from sale? Right, it's it's out there, and surely, even if you're only selling one copy uh, a year, that's better than zero copies a year. Yeah, I would imagine this is down to the original uh, license terms, which potentially mm. will have had that the license will revert to the owner um, and uh, if a minimum sales expectation could be quality, hadn't, hadn't been met. Uh, so I think that is what's happened here. But two years seems like an awfully short time. Um, so there was either it was either going to revert automatically or cost some more money. Um, is what I would suggest, um, and uh, yeah, clearly uh, there's not much appetite to do that. That makes sense to me. Now, it says in that news story that this does not affect anyone who's bought the game already, that they'll be able to uh, download it you know, in the future, even if they delete it off their system now. Uh, but do we think that will exist in perpetuity as well, or will that be affected by the licence? No, I've seen uh, contracts like this before, and um, yeah, if you, uh, I think... The phrasing is it's it's not to be offered for sale uh, for download for new new right um, purchases. I, I believe yeah that's some of the language that I've seen previously in previous agreements. Um, but yeah, uh, not a good look all round. I don't think. 
Uh, they didn't even put it. I mean, what I would have done is I would have run a 90% discount. Because um, do you remember that when um, Lord of the, Lego Lord of the Rings disappeared briefly? I mean, it's back now, I think. But um, that uh, went and um, yeah, everyone went crazy for it. I hadn't seen much um, on uh, Fast and the Furious, but uh, just looking at the videos here, it does look like fun. <laughs> no, I, if, if it was cheap, I would have bought it just to know that I could add it to my pile of shame. Uh, I never play it, but uh, yeah, I'm not paying. For, I'm not paying full price for it. Well, the only way of playing it now, the only way of acquiring it now, would be to buy it from someone else's account, buy someone else's account, right, or or their PlayStation or or something off them. Yeah, no, good point. That and PT, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Two big hitters. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you have any more news stories? Uh, I do, but we've we've spent a while on the news this time round, haven't we? Um, so, uh, yeah, there's one about activi- um, Microsoft accidentally launching ray tracing in Minecraft and then saying that that was a mistake. <laughs> How do you do that? Uh, well, we're always accidentally adding ray tracing <laughs> to stuff, aren't we? You know what we're like. <laughs> um, and then the um, Zen Studios, uh, who've done the excellent Pinball FX uh, games, of uh, launching a new version where it's effectively going to cost you $150. Uh, to access stuff that you've had, uh, you've been able to play previously. That sounds annoying. Uh, it, yeah, well, everybody on Reddit's really annoying, and I was going to read it out because uh, Video Games Chronicle quoted some people, but it used their Reddit um, handles, and so they had quite legitimate complaints. But when you're, uh, when you're reading, out, <laughs> ditto added shoe only inked. Lost all respect in the and interest in their franchise, and it sucks because it's a great way to play old tables. You can't find it some arcades. Um, ba, 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 yeah, Blitz McCrieg said their new details about pinball FX were so riddled with anti-consumer nonsense. It's hard to wrap my head around it. Um, so it was funny for that reason. Thanks, Blitz McCrieg. All right, thanks, Simon. <laughs> Thank you. One Life Left Video Game News with Anne Scantleberry. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
You're listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We're a video game radio show. Uh, we've been broadcasting on Resonance for about 16 years, and we're a podcast as well. You can find the podcast at www.onelifeleft.com. On that site, you'll also find our show notes, which have been put together by our under-caretaker, Phil. And in the show notes, crucially, as well as finding the names of the pieces of music that we play on the show, you'll be able to find a link to the One Life Left Discord where we talk about the show and games we've been playing and all kinds of other things. How how were they in our absence, Steve? Seems to have been ticking over. A few nice conversations. Chat that. Obviously, I'm not going to tell people right now what those conversations are because you've got to join the Discord to find out. Uh, but yeah, it's a nice little community. Very very supportive about my crossword addiction. Yeah, how's that going? Well, thanks for asking, Simon. Uh, welcome. Got my longest streak this week on the oh, New York Times crossword. Five days in a row, then fell on Friday, uh, sorry, Saturday, to a very, very tricky puzzle that I could not crack. Uh, today's, Sunday's, I'm about 90% of the way through. So we'll see. I'll update you next week on how I did with that. How do you find the time? Because it's the only thing I can do at night to de-stress myself. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a daily ritual that I do when I get into bed, and my head is buzzing with all of the things that are going on in my work life right now. Um, and I try to switch off by doing a crossword, which on Mondays is about a ten-minute decompression, but on Thursdays can take about an hour. Uh, the answer is I don't sleep very much. Okay. You want to keep an eye on that, Steve? Mm, I do. Um, do we want to talk about GDC now, or do we want to talk about it in the Any Other Business section at the end of the show? Uh, let's do it now. Mm. So how was your GDC, Simon? Did, was it productive? It was productive. I um, So I was out there uh, with Yogscast, um, and we were looking to meet new developers and new partners, etc., um, and there were a few games I saw that I think uh, could be pretty interesting for us. Um, so I'm working on those at the moment. Uh, I enjoyed um, several of the showcases. Lots and lots of very good games around at the moment. Lots of very expensive ones. Um, I saw a couple of new things. The thing I was telling you one night about drunk mm. uh, was the was the massive TV that, that's using 3DS technology, although slightly more sophisticated because it's tracking where your eyeballs are to create a 3D, a flat 3D screen that doesn't need um, glasses. Uh, so that was very good. Um, I enjoyed looking at the alt GDC um, uh, experimental games. Uh, I loved, I loved seeing all the different country games. It's good to see. So I'm a quarter Swiss and I spent some time on the Swiss, uh, the Swiss um, stand uh, where they were showing a, a variety of games from Swiss developers, all of them brilliant. And uh, when they found out I was a quarter Swiss, they gave me some socks, a face mask and a Swiss army knife. <laughs> They only save those for special people, they said. I said, thanks very much. I'll take a Swiss army knife. Um, so that was good. Um, yeah, it was it was nice to be in San Francisco again, I have to say. Um, I enjoyed, I like, I like being in San Francisco um, 
with the games industry when there's a game thing happening. I was out there. I was lucky enough to be out there when the Switch launched, and that that was really exciting. Um, and uh, queuing up in GameStop uh, to try and buy a console early um, was a foolish endeavour, but it was a nice time in the queue. That's for sure. Uh, so I remember that from uh, sort of five five years ago. Was it? Um, unfortunately, GameStop's not there anymore. Didn't survive COVID. Uh, so the only place to buy video games in, in uh, downtown San Francisco is uh, Target. And we were out there. I was flying back on the on the Friday. That's the day that Kirby came out. And again, it was not. I had, I had a meeting in the gardens at uh, half nine. And that's right next to Target. So um, I was in Target when it opened at nine. Went bowled straight up to the entertainment uh, business. Went and saw the man. I said, I said, have you got any copies of Kirby? And he said, yep. And uh, Target is a is a store where they uh, they don't have the games out. Uh, the man has to go and has to, you have to tell him what you, what you want. He goes to the stock room, he comes back with it. And so I uh, I bought Kirby, came back with it, bought it, fine. Uh, walk off. I get a text from a friend of mine saying, oh, yeah, actually, if you are on Target, could you buy Kirby? I'm like, okay, so I walk back to the counter. And I said, can I have another Kirby, please? There had been three people in between me buying originally um and me going back sort of four minutes later to the extent that um uh as i was walking back more and more people were, were heading to the entertainment section and the uh sales assistant was just going you're here for kirby <laughs> yeah it was really nice really nice uh so yeah it was a good time i had a good time it was very busy uh but uh it was nice from a professional and personal point of view what about you steve Fantastic. Same, uh, really. It was really, really nice to see so many people that I hadn't seen for literally, you know, two or three years uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, nice to catch up with them. It was useful from a, a you know, work uh, point of view. I was over there meeting um, all kinds of people for that kind all of thing. All kinds. All kinds of people. Um Yeah, and I was also, I've, I've got the game that I, I told you about I think at the start of the year on the show that I said by the end of this year I will have published I will have finished and published a game and I almost on a whim ended up showing that to a few different people and the reaction was super super positive and that sort of re-energised (laughs) that's re-energised me uh, to making that happen so I'm determined to make that happen although I did I did uh, I met I met a game designer um, in a uh, in a coffee shop um, and I was chatting to her and I showed her the game and she really really liked it and uh, later that day in a park in the park I was sat out there with um, with another uh, person from the games industry I was showing her the game and she was she was enjoying it as well and then my game designer friend came along. And she sat next to me, said, oh, you're showing her the game. Oh, it's great, isn't it? It's great, it's great, it's really good. And, I, you know, I felt great about myself then. And then the girl I was sat with started showing her game off to me, right? And my new game designer friend started saying really nice things about this girl's game as well. And I didn't like that as much, Simon. I have to say, I didn't like her, you know, devaluing my... Oh, like. You know, I my praise. See. That's not the point of you showing, is it? That's not what's supposed to happen. Did you only show it to girls? No, of course not. I showed it to all kinds of people, some of whom were girls. Okay. Why? It's just that. Well, it's just that the stories that you've that you've said on the show is about you showing your, your game <laughs> one, to girls. One story. Two. I showed it off to two people, both of whom yeah, were well, girls. A hundred percent of the people that you've told One Life Left listeners. I, 
about our girls. Mm, that is true. Statistically provable that I was operating some kind of show my game to girls scam there. <laughs> it certainly uh, sounds like it. I definitely wasn't. I was showing it to, uh, you know, I was showing it to people mostly uh, when I was a little bit like drunk because I was I was not over there to do that and uh, I really really wasn't on my agenda to showing it off to people I've just had the demo on my phone for six months however it was it was definitely a, a good thing for me to do because I've come back and now I des- desperately desperately want to make that happen um, and yeah business was good it was good to see the environment it was good to see all of our friends like I said at the start it was great to see Chris Craft again uh, and it was I don't know it was a good eight days full of Good stories, good people, and a little bit of COVID. <laughs> Stick that on your adverts for next year, GDC. I really don't like it the way on that final day at GDC, or even at the end of the, the sort of Thursday, they start putting up those posters around that say, see you next year, GDC dates already. I'm like, can you calm down, please? Mm. I can barely finish this one, but I will yeah. be there. I'm sure I'll be there. Showing your game to girls <laughs> and boys, right? Can we can we uh, can we do the um, letters, please? Let's do the letters. Email messages and forward BCC one life letters. Okay, uh, here is a letter, and it is from. Jonathan from Catford. Hello team and SSG. After prolonged lobbying from my loved ones, I have actually taken up running. I'm surprised to find that I like it. I have still I still have time to play a few video games after an evening run, and I've been trying to keep the mood going by eschewing the horse, car, tube, fast travel options and staying on foot as much as possible. Which video games are the most fun to just run around in? Apart from Quop, of course. Happy trails, Jonathan from Catford. P.S. I've been listening to the show for 15 years, I think. Any chance of another series of No Continues? Well, as I said on the uh, Discord, Jonathan, we would love to do No Continues again, but we kind of require a studio space. As you've probably inferred from today's episode of One Life Left, it's hard enough to get the tech required to get two of us to talk fluidly. Getting six of us to do it might be a bit of a nightmare, but... Um, I'll talk to Resonance about that and see what we can do. Um, Simon, best games for running around in? Well done, Jonathan, on the running. It's um, it's hard work. I, I fall, I've, I've stopped running. I bought a treadmill and stopped running. <laughs> uh, I mean, which is so predictable, isn't it? Um, but, and, you know, I just feel... I just feel heavier and heavier uh, at the moment. I need to get back into it, so uh, maybe you'll provide me with the inspiration, Jonathan. Uh, running games, Prince of Persia, Sound of Time, uh, and Mirror's Edge. Mm, Mirror's Edge was going to be my answer, because when it works, right, Mirror's Edge feels so fluid and so good. Uh, it's a good question, though. Uh, Co-op is obviously the best answer, of course. Uh, one of the funniest video games of all time. Simon, do you have any other letters, or should I continue? I don't know if there are any in the inbox. Chris Conroy writes, Dear team, an SSG raised eyebrow emoji. The exhibition of experimental game design, now play this, is back at Somerset House next week, and I'm looking forward to going with my two eldest children after the last physical exhibition in 2019. They really enjoyed it then, and being three years older, I'm fascinated to see what they take from it this time. Probably the explicit language that's promised in some of the exhibitions. 
Looking more broadly and coming hot on the heels of GDC as it does, are you looking forward to anything else in London Games Festival? And what's the general opinion of the week and a bit? Is it getting bigger and doing more for the industry or is it just another thing in that there London, your conference celebrating correspondent Chris Conroy? Well, I think it's great that it happens every year and it does seem to be getting a little bit more prominent. Also brilliant to see Now Play This Return, which is always, uh, you know, a a great mini event. Um, I haven't seen anything that's on at the London Game Festival this this week. I can tell you that the experimental games I saw at GDC, uh, particularly... Uh, in the alt control section were brilliant. Simon, did you get a chance to see those? Well, you mentioned it at the start of the show, didn't you? I did. I very much liked the um, the stock selling game <laughs> based around phones. So that was uh, uh, three phones that you picked up and watched a stock screen and shouted buy or sell into, right? <laughs> yeah. I didn't get a chance to play the uh, the fortune-telling crow game, but I loved the look of it. It was beautiful, wasn't it? Did you play the cat bakery game? I didn't. I saw other people play it. I again. played it. Like it. a lot of fun. Oh, right. Physical Fantastic. thing, which was a little bit kind of uh, almost WarioWare-esque with a physical controller where you had to pick up plungers and sort of chop bread or bake bread, you know, drive these uh, little plastic tools into sockets on the board. Uh, it's just very, very satisfying. Simple, simple stuff. I didn't play the throwing game. Did you see that? That was kind of like basketball? Yes, I did see that and I didn't play it either. And there was a really good one uh, where you had to digest food as well. I don't recall that it one. It was a big old mouth. You put bits of food in, oh, you okay. chomp the jaws together, and then you had to pummel a stomach uh, to make it digest. Excellent stuff. It's always good to see that section of the show. Um, mm. Makes yes, It's impossible not to smile. Um, yeah, uh, London Games Festival started on the 1st of April, didn't it? So it started on Friday. Uh, there's been an exhibition in Trafalgar Square uh, showing um, the cohort of Ensemble, um, the uh, the uh, game developers um, from underrepresented uh, and minority groups, um, which is good to see, um, li- you know, literally being put on pedestals. So that's good. Also nice to see the, the official showcase, Steve, with uh, Games Are Good For You, Made In London and some other ones. I'm only interested in uh, Games Are Good For You because Trolley Problem Inc. Um, has been picked as part of the um, the official selection this year. So I'm looking forward to seeing what people make of that. Wishlist it now. Um, and then, of course, there's WASD, which is uh, happening uh, towards the end of next week, which I'll be going to as well. What's that? That is not rest. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, but it is it is in Tobacco Dock and it is indie games in Tobacco Dock, but it's not rest. It's not rest. Okay, no. understand. Perfect. All right. Here is another letter from Weasel Spoon. Hello, team. Hello, SSG. We've just had April Fool's Day. The opportunity for social media managers to say whatever nonsense they want in the cause of japes. What's the best April Fool's Day announcement you've heard? What did you hear that you wish was true? What lie would you love to spread? In my other life of theatre, it always seems to be about plays for, by, or starring dogs. Pip-Pip Roberts. My view on April Fool's changed this year, Steve. Okay. Uh, Because I saw one that genuinely made me smile. It wasn't a games industry one, um, but, you know, you, you might appreciate this. 
um, with uh, being the parent of a young child um, that you know CBBS mm-hmm. um, and uh, Andy who is you know there's Andy and his and his sort of time traveling thing um, where he he, he he sort of grows and shrinks in size. There's Andy where he he plays in a in a, in a group and that's called. Andy and the band, and that annoys me because it should be called Andy and the Bandy. Um, <laughs> but he's 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 a, he's a staple of uh, of CBBS. All the kids love him. Uh, CBBS announced uh, that uh, they said, "Oh, you've you may have heard the news. Congratulations to Andy. He's the new Doctor Who." And I thought that was, and it was a nice little picture of him dressed as Doctor. And I thought that's a harmless bit of fun. It made me smile that morning. Um, it didn't see, it didn't sh- sh- uh, strike me as someone trying too hard. Uh, I didn't see any games industry ones though. Um, so uh, yeah, can't comment on that. I'm afraid. The only one I saw was uh, Diablo rebranding into a kind of unicorn, cute um, kid sort of thing, uh, which was, I guess, if you are a social media manager, right? You really, especially with a brand like that, people are so. People will believe anything these days that you really have to create something that isn't going to make your brand tank, right? So it has to be absolutely well, um, explicitly a lie and funny at the same time as that. Yeah, I mean, Platinum announced nine games, or did they? Like, no one knows whether that's a joke or not. And there are examples previously of people that have done April Fools that have then gone on to become actual things because the idea has gone down so well. There was the Star Wars um, Taunton... Um, uh, sleeping bag, uh, where well, you cut cut it open uh, and and sort of sleep. Well, sorry, you don't cut sleeping bag open, but it was it was shaped like that from Empire Strikes Back. Um, and um, there was the uh, the iPad arcade thing, which started off as a um, April Fool's joke, and um, that went down so so well that they that they had to manufacture them. Mm. Mm. Uh, Okay, I've got another letter here. Uh, This is from Lawrence Weir. It says, Hi team and SSG, I've just had COVID for the second time after a two-year gap. Sorry to hear that, Lawrence. Uh, What bad gaming experiences have you relived after a year or two gap just to be reminded how rubbish it makes you feel? I'm fine, by the way. Love the show. Lawrence. Good question. What games have you gone back to, Simon, uh, that have made you feel bad about that one way or another? I mean, for me, the answer is pretty clear. It's Dark Souls or any uh, Dark Souls-related game where I consistently feel like, okay, I'm going to go back and this time I'm going to enjoy it, and I never do, to the point that having gone through that... uh, (laughs) Having gone through that period... uh, A few weeks ago where I played Elden Ring and was like, absolutely not, it's definitely not for me. Uh, I'm now about to buy a PC, a new PC, and my only uh, stipulation here aside from being a little bit quiet, is it must be able to play Elden Ring. Because I've got, <laughs> what? I, I've genuinely got part of me. I've just been reading loads of people having a nice time with it, like Chris Graft and like Steve Pickford. Uh, and I'm like, they can't all be wrong. They can't. I, this time, even though it's like a month since I didn't like it, this time it's going to be for me. And what's going to happen is I'm going to play it and I'm going to be miserable, but not in the way those games are meant to make you miserable. I'm going to be miserable because I can't find the joy in something that everybody else loves. (laughs) I don't like it, Simon. I don't like it. Well, 
Is it not clear to you what the purple sticker on your badge means now? It means that I am a curmudgeon. It means tell him that we all like Elden Ring. (laughs) Very good. Of course, of course, of course. Uh, Anything from you, Simon? Uh, No. Games that you go back to. (laughs) No, nothing. If I don't like something or if I have a bad time, I'm never going back to it. All right, I hope that answers your question, Lawrence. Uh, And do get get well soon, of course. That goes to all of you, whether you are at GDC or not. If you want to write an email to One Life Left, you can do so by emailing team at onelifeleft.com or you can pop onto the Discord and drop us a message in the mailbag. All right, we're back. You're listening to One Life Left, broadcasting from Simon's shed in Hitchin and my particularly noisy front room tonight in uh, South London. We're a video game radio show. Uh, We've been doing this for ages and ages and ages. We've already done the news and the letters today. Uh, It would normally, at this point, be time for Simon Barron's Fast Five, Fast Five Best Moments from this year's GDC, but I think we've already covered that today, haven't we? We've covered all the best moments from GDC, so we can retire the feature. <laughs> so we don't have to do that. Um, and besides, we've not got a lot of time left in the show, so really we should get on with the reviews. All right, Simon, what have you been playing this week? Steve, like everybody at GDC, I went to Target and I bought Kirby and I've been playing <laughs> it all week. Okay, how's um, that? how's that been going? Well... Did I, I bumped into you on Friday morning, didn't I? And I I, uh, I showed it you. I, I sort of opened my jacket and said, I got Kirby. And you said, Simon, have you ever liked a Kirby game? And I said, well, you know, not, you know, I haven't, I've not hated them, but, you know, I've never really, truly loved one. Mm. Indeed, when we left that conversation uh, at that junction in San Francisco, we walked away. Uh, I was with my colleagues and I said, did... Um, uh, one of them said, so are you going to go and get Kirby? Uh, I said, no, I'm going to wait a week until Simon's bored of it and ask him for his copy. <laughs> well, join the queue, Steve Cohen, <laughs> join the queue. It's really, really, really good. Um, it's uh, it's basically Mario Odyssey. It's it's Mario Odyssey, that's that's what it is, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's um, Kirby's first move to 3D. Um, the uh, you know as, as in all previous Kirby games, you can suck things up... <laughs> Like that, and then you can blow them at people, or you can become them. You can absorb their powers. <clears throat> it's very similar to the cap mechanic in Super Mario Odyssey, uh, which opens up a whole host of puzzling uh, problems, puzzles, etc. It's ju- just you know, it's impossible not to play whilst whilst grinning. Um, it's really easy. I've not died yet, and I think. I think I've just hit the final boss, I think. I was playing it earlier, and I was so engrossed, Steve, true story, so engrossed, that um, I got uh, I, I got like a third of the energy off what I think is the final boss. Um, and I was so engrossed in it that I didn't realise my daughter throwing up all over the sofa next to me. <laughs> well there done. was honestly, yeah, there was more of her out, outside of her than there was inside by the end of it. Terrific. Um, That's quite Kirby-esque, though, isn't it? <laughs> That's, I suppose, getting into the spirit of things. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, she, yeah, she started quietly, but I was like, oh, blimey. Anyway, and there's Panic Station. So I'm, I'm midway through the final boss, I think. Um, I've had to do a lot of disgraceful 
cleaning um, this afternoon. Uh, but that's how good it is, is that, uh, you know, you can miss other things happening in your house. Yeah, so it's really, really good. Uh, super easy. It's exactly what I wanted. It looks beautiful. Um, it's, it's constantly surprising. 7 out of 10. So I've been playing Patrick's Parabox. Have you heard of that, Simon? Oh, I have. I really like the look of it, but I want to play it on Switch. And mm. it doesn't appear to be on Switch yet. I'm sure it will be. Uh, it was pointed... I was pointed towards it by friend of the show, Ian Cook, who... Uh, you know the Mario Kart tracks have just dropped, and you're in that group, right? That WhatsApp group. I, I am in that WhatsApp group. I'm too scared to participate. Yeah, we're, so Simon and I and Ian and some others are in a WhatsApp group um, with Mario Kart time trials, and that's just recently been uh, reawoken from a three-year slumber because the uh, the new tracks have dropped, and that's that's going on and I like Simon I'm not nearly good enough at Mario Kart to compete I played it a little bit on the flight over to San Francisco and didn't get, come close to their times and by a little bit I mean six hours solidly just going round and round in a loop um, but Ian did get in touch and he said oh this looks like your sort of thing maybe he was trying to make me feel better about the lack of skill in Mario Kart but he was right uh, Patrick's Parabox is uh, very steep genre. It is the top-down, crate-pushing, soccer-ban genre of games. Uh, I'm sure most of the listeners will have played something like that. And every three months or so, there is another one of these from the indie community that uh, blows my mind. Now, um, I've talked at length about Stephen Sausage Roll, about uh, you know Stephen Lavelle being one of the great creators of these. We've talked about Babri's You, of course, before. Babri's You, absolutely brilliant piece uh, good snowman is hard to build and other works from Drachnik as well uh, well this is the this is the next in that line of uh, brilliant smart block puzzle block pushing games with a twist so <laughs> the reason my intro is so long is i have no idea how i'm going to describe this it is like one of those games but like a Russian doll of those games. So you push the blocks around, and sometimes you push the blocks into other blocks where there is another level going on. And then when you enter that level, you push the blocks around, and sometimes you can push them out of that level, and they grow and become big in the level that you're in. And sometimes, Simon, and this is where the Parabox title comes in, it becomes paradoxical, and level A is inside level B, is inside level C, which at the same time is inside level A. And it's a bit mind-blowing, honestly. Um, I've played through, I think, six, maybe six of the sets of levels. And actually, to this point, they've not got too difficult. It's doing a really, really good job of easing me into the game dynamic and making me feel smart, which is more than some of these games do. You know, sometimes for the best, I mean, Steven's uh, Sausage Roll... Punishes, punishes you every puzzle. It, it makes you fail and fail and fail and fail again until you get something and move on. Um, whereas Snakebird, a uh, similar type of game, I, I didn't get on with at all because it was very, very hard but didn't seem to be teaching you things or at least not in a way that I got it. This is much gentler. While its conceit is mind-blowing, the difficulty ramp is gentle and nice and pleasant, and I think everyone will be able to make some progress and get to the wow moments. But I am sure very soon it's going to get to a very hard point, and I'm looking forward to it. You're right, Simon, to say uh, this is a Switch game, but of course that shouldn't matter to you because surely you're getting a Steam Deck. 
It's now quarter two, Steve. You <laughs> two. I will be getting on my Steam Deck this this quarter, within mm. these three months. And I'm sure it'll work beautifully on that. Uh, I love it. Seven out of ten. Good, yeah, I am looking forward to it. And yes, I have start I have I have already started thinking about my Switch obsession. But, you know, Steam Deck's not got an OLED screen, has it? So mm. But, Simon, have you, you, you've used a Steam Deck, haven't you? I used one for Hell, the first time at, at GDC, did you? Same, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What did you think? Come on, we're almost at the end of the show. This is going to have to be a cliffhanger. <laughs> All right, next week, Steam Deck, first impressions from this year's GDC. Um, thank you, Simon. I really enjoyed it. It was a rocky start today, wasn't it? Oh, my goodness, rocky start. Yeah, apologies, everybody, but uh, hopefully we're back into the swing of it now before we take another break. Who knows when? Yes, Uh, but it's been really, really good to talk to you for the first time in, you know, a week. Uh, And it's been really, really good to be back on air. Thank you so much to Resonance FM for hosting us once again and for your patience over the last few weeks. Thank you to all of our listeners for listening, uh, whether it's on the radio or on the podcast. And we will be back next week. Goodbye! Goodbye! <laughs>